inking, writing, laughing, crying, sketching, drawing, then more crying, trying, crying, feeling it out. I want to know about yours. I think this is one of my, I guess this will be our cold open episode, but this, that's one of the things I find the most fascinating about creative people is when I meet someone else and it never comes up naturally, but you get to that point where someone's like, yeah, I was like writing, but I started watching YouTube videos and then I like paced around my apartment. It was screaming and like, then I got it. And I'm like, that's cool. And that makes you feel better about the crap you put yourself through. Exactly. So that, welcome to feeling it. Welcome to feeling it out. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle and Connor. I'm Kyle. I'm Connor. I'm a writer and a musician and uh, I like to make podcasts. Yeah. And I am an illustrator and comic book artist. That's my jam. Very cool. And on this episode, we're talking about our process or what the even process means. Like, the process. I feel like that's said a lot, but yeah. it's really unique to everybody. Um, I, just like right off the bat, when I write something, like, it's never the same way. I've gone to these writing panels, and the moderator will ask them about their process, and some people will say, oh, I never write anything without an outline. First, I outline the whole thing, and I never do anything after uh, before that. And another person was like, oh, I write character histories first. Whoa. Every character that's going to be in this thing, before even determining what the plot is, I establish who they are and what they like and their background and their history, and then I start. And when I was listening to that at the panel, I was just amazed that these these were professionals. These were these were staffed writers in writers' rooms. Some of them worked on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Some of them were uh, other things, and it just blew my mind that they had all kind of found their own unique process, and that these books that I'd been reading and stuff like there there really is no one way. And I've been really frustrated trying to find mine. Mm. Specifically trying to find my voice, you know? Yeah. And I feel like that's a big part of the process is is like, I don't know what I want to say. I just know what I want to see, you know? Right. Which is a, that's a tough distinction too. Um, like it's, the, it's funny though, you starting with talking about outline specifically as someone's method because I... My method of tackling things is I, I'm not a master at perception and I'm not the best puzzle solver, but my personal method for doing something is I've got an idea, run, go, go, figure that out. When we get to it, jump the thing, we figure it out, which has led to a lot of mistakes in my life. However, that is my basis for solving problems is like get in there. And then once you're there, look around you, what can you use? And it's funny because growing up, my dad who has written some full feature movies, nothing like, not like Star Wars, but like just stuff. And also does still freelance writing and directing. That's so cool. Now I know I'm so, <laughs> I mean, he works a shit ton, but there's that part of me that is jealous of him. Anyway, he, uh, he was telling me when I was growing up, like, Connor, you know, you should really plan stuff out with an outline because it helps you know where stuff is going. Now, I will admit that nowadays I do like having an outline because my thoughts have no consistency. They get away from you yeah. without an outline. And so outlining's good, but it's funny because I still, I guess 
I still use my approach. I don't know. Anyway, but it's funny you brought up outlines because I have like such a thing about outlines where I was like, fuck outlines. And now I'm yeah. like, outlines are pretty sweet. So is I. Yeah. yeah. I kept thinking like, oh, outlines are this, res- they're the death of creativity. They restrict creativity into this rubric of a three act structure. And it has to be like this. And I can't just sit down and write. And uh, it brings up something that I wrote down that I was really proud of is one sit wonders where you have an idea and you do it in one sitting. Oh, yeah. You don't get up. You don't do anything else. You write, 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 or you draw, 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 or whatever it is until it's done. And I did that with, like, four of probably my most favorite pieces that I've composed were ones where I started and finished in the same day. And I just kept going. And I feel like the thing that was important is that I didn't have time to lose sight of what I was doing. Or... I didn't have time to judge what I was doing. And it's different with music, especially kind of like the more electronic experimental stuff that I was doing. I was trying to like be like gorillas where honestly, if I when I listen to the gorillas, it literally sounds like they went um do 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 do. Okay, let's make a song around that. And they do, and it's amazing. Right. And so I was like, "Oh, I can do that." And I did it a few times That's and cool. like without stopping. And that's how I wrote the longest thing that I've written to date, which is a 36-page Batman one-shot. You that, told me about that. Yeah. Thank, yeah. thank you. And it's the thing that I didn't I didn't understand three-act structure. I didn't know what I was doing. I just wanted to write a Batman story because I love Batman. And I'm just realizing in this moment on this podcast that um, once upon a time, I composed two pieces for a Batman musical that I was going to put together. Batman's aria and the Joker's introduction. Those are two pieces that I wrote. And it's so funny that like Batman is the same character that I keep coming back to, to try It's so interesting that that's my muse that I feel I'm such an authority on Batman that that's what I'll reach to. And and that's what I'll write my specs for. That is interesting. (laughs) It's fascinating. You know, it's that, that I like that idea of the one shot wonder because I, have had that with art one before, sit of course. Wonder. One sit wonder. Trademark. <laughs> TM. I've had that before with art where I'll like, be like, this would be kind of neat to draw. I don't know. And I sit down. I'm like, it's there. It's coming. Like, I did it. And it's like one. And that doesn't always happen, but it, I force it sometimes when it naturally happens. great. But it, when it comes to storytelling, and I actually, this ties back to the point I lost when I was first talking about outlines. Oh, okay. So thank you You're for reminding me about this. But um as we have discussed in previous episodes, I'm making a comic called Spellslinger. I'm lettering it. It's almost done. Really? It's been a whole week and you're still lettering it? <laughs> yes. No, but literally, yes. Because I've been lettering it for like a month and a half. It's real. It's unfortunate. And I'm getting close to being done. Awesome. But it's funny because uh, uh, in one of our other episodes, we also talked about... Uh, I, I, I kind of mentioned that it was like my stepping off project. And the one project that I think in my deepest of cores will never leave me is this comic I have called Reverb, which I may have thrown out the name. Yeah. yeah. And that comic I wrote back my freshman year of college. So not to horribly date myself, but it's been like nine years. When you weren't afraid. Yes. And what's funny is that I've learned that my process, and I've taken this from not only Reverb of a Spell Slinger and two of my other comics, is that I, 
with reverb, I remember I was like, I've got this idea. I've got this character. I know what I want to do. I sat down and I just shit out this horrible mess and I was so happy with it and I was writing and I think of that and this is not something to be proud of because I guarantee everyone out there it it read like fanfic but it was like 300 pages of just like shit now fast forward six years from that uh, I am wanting to finally put a comic together and I just thought of reverb not that I had forgotten about it but it it just kind of came back up and i was like oh my gosh wait i love that idea i should do that and i found the old script that i wrote and i read it and then i outlined my old script and then made a new script off of that and that's how i came up with what i got today because despite the fact that i also didn't know shit about act or or real story structure or anything i was kind of shit and fly out of my pants and i but I, I looked back in the script and I was like, wow, there's actually a lot of usable things in here, which was surprising to me because not a lot of my stories do that. But I was like, I can still take from this. And if you put the scripts up next to each other, they are really similar. But obviously one is just better done yeah. than the other. And I've found out that my process, because I did those with Spellslinger too, I did write an outline, but I just shit out the script in like three days. And then left it. Left it, came back a year later, and then did it, and then outlined it, and then did it again, and now I'm happy with it. Okay. And I've realized in this moment, that is my writing process. That's your process. process. Yes. Is that you let it cool for a long time until you can come back to it like with fresh eyes. Oh, yeah. And it's actually, I'm experiencing that with another comic of mine that I won't get into here because I'll just be ranting forever. But yeah, that's neat that that's, well, my brain does. I, I identify, I want to highlight the thing that resonated with me most about that is that um, the process is taking a shit. Yes. It has the same amount of relief, <laughs> the same amount of like lightness when you're done, and uh, there's even some like cleanup afterwards to, to, to be crass, but frankly, the first step about doing the process for me is getting that shit out. out. Yeah. Just shitting it out. And it's not supposed to be beautiful. Mm -mm. It's supposed to reek. And it's supposed to be disgusting and repugnant. And you're supposed to be so embarrassed about it that you do it in a private space. And as soon as you're done, it's gone, whisked away like magic into the ether. And that, for me, is like the best way for me to write is non-judgmentally go, 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 don't look back, even if things start changing in how you never expected. Like, <laughs> no shit looks like how you thought it would. And Well said. Oh, it's getting gross. But <laughs> no, but you're, but you're right. That's the best way to describe Just it. Just shit it out. And Just get it out and move on. Yeah, and to everyone out there who's stressing over writing something and you're like, it's just not right. The characters aren't talking right. The one bit of advice, actual advice I'll give people in this position is first off, it never fucking gets easier. In my opinion, I always have to prep myself to shit. Second, uh, the way that I've tackled the problem of starting to overanalyze what I'm writing while I write it is like, well, Connor, it makes no sense for that character to do that, but would you have fun if they did? And you go, yes, I would have fun. And you write something fun and stupid, and then you take that and go, now how is this a story? And you like graft it through that. Yeah, but like the thing you say about abandoning it I could easily see how, in in my process, how abandoning it is is 
failure and is like mm. is, is 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 leaving the the bathroom and having not half shit having half a shit sticking out of your ass. <laughs> oh. God. Walking around, no, you don't want that. That's no. what it's like. It's like it's like having it half finished. But but in in from what your perspective, what you're saying is that that is part of it. That sometimes, well, you're saying that when you finish it, that's when you leave it and it's, you'll walk away. For me, I think that the abandonment is actually tied into my my own blockage and finishing process projects. Period. Your own constipation. Ex- <laughs> yes. This will be titled the poop episode. <laughs> but my own my own constipation about my projects has stopped me because I'll write a thing or I'll sketch a thing or I'll, I'll always get further, further, and then I'll put it down and then start up something else again. Yeah. But I feel like for me, it's the same idea that a lot of people are taught in visual arts school that when you're drawing something, if you're having trouble with it, walk away, do something else for a while, come back, and then flip the picture upside down. Oh, because really? since your brain over-processes stuff upside down to regulate it, you notice little inconsistencies way more. Now, obviously, you can't do this with writing, but I've found that if you put it down and you write something else or you go watch a shit ton of one TV show yeah. and you come back, those things that you were worried about are either really glaring or you're like, oh, that's actually not that bad. The thing I was fascinated with my bat I'll keep going back to the Batman one because mm. that was one of the few things that I really enjoyed writing and felt really confident the whole time is that at the time I was exercising. Um, I'm oh. not anymore, but I would go for runs around just the block here and I would find myself thinking and unlocking like, oh, he should do this. The, oh, this is a way better. Oh, it's a missed opportunity for this opportunity because I'm thinking about the story out. I'm not sitting in front of it looking yeah. at the words and going like, mm, what needs to happen here? I'm doing, I'm separating myself and putting myself out in the world and that's still the process. Yes. And it's important to, I guess, to talk about that because there's so many, I believe there's so many misconceptions about, oh, if I'm not working on it constantly, then then this isn't me working yeah. on it. If but, you're not actively drawing, if I'm not actively typing, then you're we're that, not doing You're that. not working. Yeah. Whereas it's funny because my last therapist also said, "Hey, if you're it just if if this is a practice to keep in mind, as you said, if you're if you hit a block with a drawing or you don't know how a character should act or something, just go take a walk." And she was right. Yeah, eighty percent of the time, I'd be like, "Oh, oh, oh!" But my process now, because I'm a lazy piece of shit that wants to work out but doesn't, is that I will be frustrated with something. I'll go fuck this and I'll go play a video game, and and also I'll talk with my friend because he's he and I kind of like creative consultant each other and okay. we work on a lot of stuff together. And so I will call him and be playing a game. So my brain is really focused on the game, but he's giving me things to say. And sometimes I'll say shit and he's like, wait, yes. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Wait, that's perfect. Pause we figured game, it out. Hang up. You're back. Yeah. Okay. So, and that's part of my pro. Sometimes I just play video games and nothing happens and that's still part of it and then i go back to it later and i'm like all right i gotta figure this out now see that sounds so nice to be able to talk with someone about the shit you're actively taking <laughs> to yes. call someone up and go hey i'm in the middle of this shit. it's a weird color <laughs> i'm gonna send you a picture and you let me know if it's <laughs> to you and I'm then i send you some, <laughs> some samples <laughs> and they're like wow that shouldn't be white and then you know you're, you're like oh he's so right yeah it shouldn't be white <laughs> It is. I would like to like give how, it. How do you know? How do you? How do you know? when how do you show your shit to somebody? Well, that's. It's I, so vulnerable. I, I will say that, and I want to give a shout out to him. But my friend Brian, 
is a wonderful man whom I love. And I mean, we have been like best friends for, whoa, almost 10 years. Oh, wow. And, and we also lived together for two years. And even though he's in the East Coast, I'll talk to him like every day. But I think that's part of it is that he and I have the benefit where I feel like you and I also have the benefit of narratively thinking very similarly. So it helps. I mean, honestly, whenever I come up with a new concept, I just go straight to him. And I'm like, I just thought of this thing for this and that. And I don't know. And he, he admittedly has trouble with the starting off point. But I'll give him a concept. And he's like, dude, this. That's and he so just funny. paints this whole fucking thing. I'm like, whoa, I didn't even think of any of that. And he's like, dude. And then we'll just like go back and forth. And, and Does so he ever show you his shit? He doesn't write as much on his own. Okay. Um, so want, he and I get in on, or he'll come to me with an idea and be like, I was thinking about this for an idea. And we'll kind of like use each other to build a thing. Or more often than not, we'll be like, eh, we'll just work on it together. And like whatever happens, happens. That sounds so cathartic. I feel like I use my fiance for that. I'll yeah. tell Derek, like, what if there is an X-Man whose farts controlled the weather? <coughs> and he would go, <laughs> I love that. And you call mission control? I don't know why, but I just love that. Uh, no, it'd have to be like thunderclap or something. <laughs> <laughs> but um, fucked. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll like float that out there and he'll go like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what else? And like, that's, that's how I'll start my ideas. But what I've, found is more beneficial is to just kind of keep it to myself until it's a real thing and mm. then I'll share it. But um, yeah, that just idea of, of when is it ready to show it to somebody else, I feel like must be, I, I can't wait to show you my shit because I, I, I haven't met anybody who has shit to show and, and, and is like open to seeing my shit <clears throat> and whatever like stage it's in. Um, and I just feel like, it's so easy in like my early stage to get down on myself for like, like I'm not plagiarism. There, like part of the process is recognizing like that it's okay to take elements from a lot of different things. There's a reason that people ask you, who are your influences? Yes. Who are your favorite blanks? Yes. Because they want to get an idea of who you admire and then, if they don't see those same things in the people you admire, then it's like, oh, I thought those are your inspirations. But it's so easy for me to tell myself, I have to be unique. I have to find my voice. And it can't be like Mau Mau, and it can't be like 12 Forever. It's got to be Mau unique Mau. to me. Me too. It's so good. It's so I'm close only, to I'm my only, voice. It's only I've only seen like two episodes, and I'm so fucking obsessed with it. And I'm just like looking at fan art of Mau Mau and like and, uh, looking and at clips. Adorabat. Like, <laughs> yes, and Adorabat. And the fucking uh, Badger Clops has such good line delivery. Boss Hostrich. I lost my shit. It's so good. That aside, because we could make a podcast about, about Mau, Mau, Mau Mau appreciation. About two episodes of Mau Mau. <laughs> <laughs> the two episodes of Mau Mau podcast. I need to, I'll ask you more about where you watch it after this. But um, yeah, it's funny because growing up, obviously, and this is something I can relate to every visual artist. And I know that there's a lot of things where it's comparable pretty much to everything where you, you do find your inspiration. You're like, I want to be like that. Like all the shit that I drew growing up was like, Dragon Ball Z or Sonic. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah, and it kind of grew from that. And the the issue that I faced a lot that I'm sure a lot of people face too is that you can get really criticized for doing that. And sometimes people say something meaning it as a compliment and and you internalize, I'll internalize it as a criticism. Years ago, like maybe three or four years ago, 
I could present an idea. I actually remember a perfect example. I had an idea for a story and one of the characters, and you'll know where this is going when I say it, was a polar bear that had like this Roman armor on. And of course I'm showing that in college and everyone's like, oh, that's like from the Golden Compass. That's so cool. But all I heard was, you stole a thing. Mm -hmm. You're a fraud. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh no. At first I felt guilty and then I felt like a fraud. And then I was like, I need to be coming up with my own ideas. And what I realized later is yes, there's some lines that you shouldn't steal. If I have a story about two Greek plumbers who have red overalls and different, that's too much. However, if I have a story of a regular blue collar worker going to a magical land and saving a princess, I can make that my own. Yeah. And that's okay as long as you're not just taking the the voice. Yes. Like you said, the voice yes. of someone else. That's that's the thing that I uh, really riled against when people were talking about Avatar and like, oh my God, this is just Pocahontas. This is just uh, Dances with Wolves. This movie, we've seen it done a million times. You've seen every movie. A million times. Basically every movie, even like the next... 10 years of movies, there will be 1% of original ideas and 99% of them will be a version of what you've seen before. Yeah. And that's been true since Shakespeare. Like, I don't have the examples, but like the, 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 the taming of the shrew has been done in a million movies at this point. Yeah. And, and like, uh, Sleepless in Seattle was uh, 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 like based on the story from this, and it's like the lineage goes all the way back. Like, except for people like Taika Waititi, who's making his like satire about uh, uh, being a Nazi youth. Like, oh yeah, the ninety nine percent is is stuff you've seen before. So it's just about like this is the best version of Pocahontas we've seen, or or someone this else's is a version, different version. Yeah, this is someone else's lens looking at that and through their experience or whatever, and giving us like that same message. And it's so hard to know where that line is for you because I've there's been stuff that made it to TV that I'm like, this is just Family Guy. Yeah, this is just that Brickleberry BS. Like this is just American Dad. Yeah, and it, it's hard as a creative to know where that line is and to be able to notice the, the compliments or where things are. I, I guess I've always found in my process of making a story that I will often pick a few things to draw inspiration from. For example, on Spellslinger, which I didn't actually ever explain, is a fantasy Western. And so... I think you did, yeah. Yeah, well, to the audience. Yeah. But, oh, maybe I did, yeah. Yeah, but I any, did. Yeah. Okay, cool. But anyway, so... the some of the inspirations I had directly, like not a joke. I, it helped that at the time Red Dead Redemption 2 came out. So when I wanted to work on it, sometimes I'd go play that for like three hours and be like, I'm feeling it. Yeah. Another thing is, um, I'm forgetting what fantasy element I was inspired by, but I mean, honestly playing Dungeons and Dragons because it is based on that idea of Dungeons and Dragons. And, yeah. and, when I mention it to somebody now, if they say, oh, that sounds like, you know, a fistful of dollars, I don't go, shit, I ripped something off. I go, good, that's what I wanted. Yes. I wanted you to think that and then realize it's my thing. Yes. And I, I think actually we it's were talking. It's a compliment. Yeah. We were talking about a comic idea I had and you had said, I'd like to give a shout out to Kyle for being very considerate <laughs> because First, he, I was telling him a story. He's like, whoa, that's got serious Spider-Man vibes. Whoa, that sounds like this. That sounds like that. And I was taking it as a compliment because I've understood how to do that. And of course, like three things in Kyle goes, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to make it sound like you're stealing that. And I was like, dude, no, I, 
I, I understand that's a compliment because I want it to come across. I want you to feel the way you did when you saw that thing when you see my thing. Yes, that it's as good. Yes. Yes. So remember that. Folks. Well, it must be so confusing. I, I think it's confusing because I'm not an artist, but when you spend your whole childhood drawing fan drawings of Sonic the Hedgehog and you get better and better and better, like there's a job for somebody who is really good at drawing Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah. But maybe their entire life, they were like, all I can do is draw this stupid IP. <laughs> all of my like IPs, they look like garbage, but I'm a master at drawing Sonic. What a idiot, and I've wasted all my time. Like, like... I'm working, I've been working on an American Dad spec script for almost a year because I hate it so much. But I keep, <laughs> there's so many, I, I love it. I'm very funny. You and just there are need some to lines get back to it. That are really funny. Yeah. And honestly, like, like with my, with my other uh, animation pilot script, I've, I've accepted that as long as my characters, my location, and my lens are different. They can do the exact same thing mm -hmm. that they did on Green Eggs and Ham last week. And no one will know. No one will care. And it will be good. And if I can just do that a few times, if I can watch a thing and go, okay, how can I readapt this structure to apply to these new characters and this new place and these new colors? And it's intrinsically going to be different because it's me. I'm not copy and pasting the script. I'm using my character's. I guess I'll just say them. So when I was in high school, I came up with this comic. Uh, once again, it was only like six panels called um, Blob and Block. And it was uh, a robot and a shape-shifting uh, cube. Did you tell me about this? Did I? I, I think can't so. Remember. I, I think a you drawing did. of them. Um, and so the shape-shifting cube and the robot were these two friends. And like, you know, everything else was different. But I reached back into my mind palace and I brought them here and... I tried. I'm trying so hard to write this original story where they go to the movie theaters and everyone in the movie theater is being so chatty and they're being so annoying. And Block loses his temper and they get them kicked out. So then they spend the second act trying to get back into the theater and he ends up breaking the projector. So then the third act, like wham, is oh now everyone at the theater came to Blob and Block's house and now they're in their living room and it's like wah wah. <laughs> um, and that's me. That's all me. That's my brain. And I keep thinking to myself. Maybe I shouldn't try to do it all alone. Maybe, maybe I should just try to lift uh, a, an Adventure Time episode and apply it to this world. But then I get down on myself and I'm like, no, that's plagiarizing. And all of this thinking, I'm not writing. I think that it's... Is that part of my process? It could be. It could be. I mean, my evolution of my art style has once I realized what was going on, has I mean, and actually had this advised to me by my old mentor who does storyboarding for Marvel to, oh just to God. give him some credibility. So he told me when I was talking about my artistic process and he's like, he, he told me, which I'm also very grateful for. He's like, you obviously have a style. Cool. And I've had a lot of people say that when they see something drawn by me, they're like, Oh yeah, I saw that. And I was like, that's Connor. That's neat. I'm not in love with my style. Mm. I, I think I, I could be comfortable saying the L word in like a couple more months, but like we're just not there yet. But we've had a lot of time together, and at this point, it's <laughs> habitual. But I, he told me when it came to art, he's like, if you, you know, if as you're practicing, if you want to get better, find three artists that you admire in your style, literally copy them. Don't copy their stuff and then be like, I'm going to sell this thing. But, but you can, you can post a picture, you can talk about it. You, but, I guarantee to most all people out there, when you 
take a couple of things and you try and copy each one, you start to notice tricks that you really like and you hodgepodge them together into this thing. Fuck, I actually, yeah. uh, two years ago, I had done a draw 365 a day challenge, did not make it all the way, but that wasn't the point. I took three artists and one of them that I followed had this technique of heavy shading, but only for when, sorry, I get so technical guys. No, 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 it was good. But it was, it was like, for example, under the neck, they would have like this thick black shadow to identify that there's depth there. Right. And I loved it. And I was like, I'm doing that forever. For that. To, to this day, I still do that. And if you look at my art now, as compared to like three years ago, you can see that now I always, like when a sleeve cuts off at an arm, I draw a little thick black line and have a little hash mark. So you know that there's, there's something there. It's not yeah. just gripping the body. And I got that because I was copying this guy. And so no, that's there is great. That too. What was that called? The 365, what was it? Oh, the 365 draw day challenge. Okay, so the last thing that I want to talk about is the journey as the process that it didn't matter that you didn't finish, that you didn't make it to the end of it cuz what's at the end? Like a, a gold medal or something? No, what you got out of it was that unique experience of understanding how to like combine other artists that you like. And I feel like that's something that I struggle with in my process is, am I writing to be done writing? Or is this what I enjoy doing? Yeah, It's something that I read in The Tao of Pooh, which I read all the freaking time, is that if you're on a hike and you're, you're hiking, you're walking up the hill and stuff, once you get to that, like... As opposed to if you took an escalator straight to the top of the mountain and you didn't have to work very hard and, okay, now you're at the top and now you can look at this view. It's not earned. It's not deserved. You didn't you didn't suffer for it in a productive way, whereas the hike getting up to the top, still, the point is not getting to the top and seeing that view. The point is the hike, is the journey that you went on. And I feel like I'm getting further away from it, but... And, I, and I'm saying you again. I'm supposed to be for me. For me, I know with with my generalized anxiety and my depression that there, I, I'll always feel, I'll always hate part of myself. And, you know, I'll cope with that and I've accepted part of that. But in my creativity, that means that when I make the thing and like whatever, like, oh, I did it. I'm famous now. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I still got to walk around. It's not like the credits roll and I get to ever. They lived happily ever after. <laughs> yeah. Like when I get the thing with all this hard work that I'm putting into it, when I get to the peak, it won't be enough. I know it won't because that's such a logical fallacy. It's about the journey more than the destination. Yeah. And you always want to get better. I mean, ideally you always want to get better and you want to progress and you want to look at something you did now and compare it to something you did last year and go, well, that last year, that was really cool. But this, oh, this, wow. And then you think the next one, Ooh, the next one. Yeah. That's the thing that terrifies me is like the, the deeper and deeper I learn about the industry is that even the most successful people, they're hustling. Oh, they yeah. are, they're they're going out there and they're grabbing stuff. Like maybe they have an agent or a manager or something, but it's not like you, it's not like a nine to five. You don't right. have this guarantee that, Oh, tomorrow I'll get paid and I'll have a job. And 
it is so different. And part of that seems scary, but it's also, that's the life I want. Yeah. I want to be valued for my creative contributions. And hopefully someday it'll lead to me being understood. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Who knows? But that, but that is, you're right. I mean, that is something that gets neglected. Yeah. But. So like final thought is that my process has become very, very self-hateful and very angry and it took my fiance to to tell me, like, God, every time, honestly, when I have to set up for this podcast, I am so stressed out that that the mics aren't working right, or that the the cats are all over the place, or that I forgot to vacuum or stuff. Like, I am racked with all this crap, and yet, whenever I'm done with an episode and the guest is gone, I feel like I'm on cloud nine, and with, with a couple of exceptions, if the show, if the episode didn't go well, I feel amazing. And Derek, my fiance, finally had to tell me, like, you know, all of that, like, stomping around and that anger and that just, just, that's your process. All of that results in a great product. And and that's your process. And those parts of you that you think are, those parts of me that I think are just getting in the way of me actually making a good product are actually part of that product. Yeah, because it it comes out in what you do. Not that you're your anger gets out, but your energy does. And the preparation. Your, prepar- your passion for it, because if you didn't care, then, well, actually, I, I also understand anxiety well enough. That's not true. But like, generally, <laughs> if you don't care, then if you fuck up, you're like, eh, whatever. But if you really care about it, you those little mistakes tally up. But that's when you know that, that you fucking love that thing. And when you do, even when you fuck up, it shows in your thing. I can look at a comic someone made and I can be like, wow, they're having fun with that. As opposed to something where like... This was a job. This was a job. And it, it, it can go such a long way. I wonder if like most people, when you say, oh, your voice is this, this, and this, they would go, no, it's not. I don't think <laughs> that. Like, I wonder. There's, there's people that I've met that I, I can say like, oh, yeah, that's their voice. Yeah. But in reality, I wonder if they would accept that. I wonder if that's kind of the nature of this, is that like your voice isn't really for you to decide. Yeah. I, w- I will say, uh, as I guess my closing thought on, on the process and finding your voice and all that work is that I remember my dad, um, I had told him about a comic that I had made. This is after Reverb. This is after this other thing. This is like a third comic I come out with idea-wise in like a couple of years. And I was really jazzed about it. And I was talking to him about it. And he started, in, I mean, he was like, oh, that, that sounds really interesting. And then he says, you know, I heard about this one author. He's written like the, maybe the most amount of books. I don't know if that's fact, so please don't crucify me, internet. But he had written a shit ton of books. And people really liked him. He was well-respected in the literature community. Nothing glitzy and glammy, but like very good, solid, decent books. But they all kind of were the same story. Uh. And someone asked him about it, and they're just like, your themes all seem very similar, but like they're great. They're just like, is there a reason for that? And he's like, man, I'm just like trying to get that one story right. And he said, you know what's interesting about your stuff, Connor, is that all of your stories you've told me about recently are about... Uh, this character who's typically fairly abrasive who is coupled with an entity or a weapon that is controversial to their personality and they are forced, literally forced to cohabitate one body and work together through their own insecurities and the ones that are presented to them. Your dad 
Understood. He killed it. Yeah. And Spellslinger is my fourth story to have that. And I didn't think of that when I made it. But then literally after I came up with the main character, I was like, oops, did it again. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? That is the story I'm trying to tell. I'm not sure what that is yet. But he like told me my voice in that moment. And I was like, wow. And I, that ties into what you're saying. Because it is sometimes you need to have someone else tell you your voice. Yeah. Obviously, it should be someone you trust and... Not someone being like, your stories are poopy. Like, yeah. that's not your or voice. Or an agent you're paying to tell you, your stories are great. Also not that. to get you jobs all over town. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Well, anyway, that's feeling it out. Uh, if you want to reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter, you can uh, tweet us at, or you can send us an email at, until next time, though. Uh, bye. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> bye. Yeah, I think we just said bye. 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 Feeling it out.